Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And so when you live by faith, there are gonna be moments when you're judged by friends and they wanna know, why don't you, why don't you say the things that you used to say and do the things that you used to do and hang around us like you used to hang around us. You're gonna be misunderstood by family and they aren't gonna exactly sure why why you've made some of these changes and and is it sincere, is it real? They're gonna wonder about that. You're gonna have moments where people that you're trying to help are gonna reject you. Whenever you try to tell them about how Jesus changed your life, they're gonna want none of it. It's all part of God's plan. You never know exactly how he's gonna use it. Moses certainly wouldn't have known exactly how God was gonna use him, but he did. And it was all part of God's plan. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Everyone has heroes growing up, and even in adulthood. It is these heroes that often can do things we wish we could do. They have a popularity that we can only dream about. When it comes to our relationship with God, He doesn't want us to only have heroes of this world, but also heroes of faith. In this series, we'll be studying a portion of the Bible in Hebrews 11 that is known as the Heroes of Faith chapter. This chapter is full of stories of men and women who had an extraordinary faith in God. While they were not perfect, they were faithful. As we study their stories, we will learn how we can be faithful as well. Please enjoy the message. From fear to faith. Now, fear is, uh, a word that goes along with fear is phobia. And many of us have a, quite a few phobias. And so I want to play a game with you. I'm going to share a phobia with you, and then you tell me if you know what exactly that phobia is. So let's, we'll start off here. What's acro? Phobia. No. That'll be the next one. (laughs) Acrophobia is actually the fear of heights. The fear of heights. Now, obviously, this guy didn't have fear of heights, but it is a fear of heights. Um, Getting to what you all were just saying, arachnophobia is the fear of? Yes. Oh, good. Good job. And everybody but this person apparently has that fear, uh, at least of tarantulas. I have another one here for you. Aviophobia. What's this the fear of? It is the fear of flying. Aviophobia. This guy, he's white knuckling it all the way to wherever it is that he's going. Here's another one here. Beloniophobia. And it's not fear of baloney. Anybody know? It's a fear of needles. Fear of needles, if you really struggle to have your blood drawn or to get a flu shot or something along those lines, you might have this fear. Uh, Dentophobia. Dentist, yes, and this poor boy. (laughs) He's he's scared to death. And then here's the last one, which is pentherophobia. You may not know what pentherophobia is, but... I'm betting several of you have it because this is a real thing, and it is fear of your (laughs) mother-in-law. True thing. It is a real issue that we have in our world today. (laughs) And so we have these fears. Some of them are a bit lighthearted. But then we also have other fears uh, that cut us to the core of our being. And maybe you have one of these fears. It's a fear that you'll never get married. A fear that you'll only be married and never have children. It's a fear that your children will never reach their potential. It's a fear that you will never reach your potential. It's a fear that you'll be a failure. It's a fear that your health will fail. And you see, for many of us, we have these, these types of fears. 
in these types of struggles. And so what are we supposed to do with them? Well, the challenge for us today is to make progress, to take steps, to move from fear, to living by fear, to being, to being somebody that's going to live more from where you're at, more by faith. And so we've been in this sermon series entitled Heroes of Faith, and we've specifically been digging into Hero, Hebrews chapter 11. And as we've been looking at Hebrews 11, we've been looking at these great heroes of the faith. And then as we look at them in the New Testament, we also go back to the Old Testament where most of their stories are, and we see how the Bible, it connects from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and it's ultimately this great story of God's salvation and how he used these people that we read about in Hebrews 11 back in Genesis and Joshua and the book of Exodus and other books. And you would think that these people would be perfect or they would, people would be uh, exemplary. These would be the kind of people that we admire but we can never actually attain to be like. But that's not at all what this list is like. Max Lucado writes these words about the list of people you see in Hebrews chapter 11. This list isn't a who's who in purity and sainthood. In fact, some of their antics and attitudes would make you think they were the Saturday night crowd at your local jail. Well, few halos there are amongst this befuddled bunch. Yet strange as it may seem, it is this very humanness that makes these people refreshing. If you ever wonder how in the world God could use you to change the world, look at these people. The reassuring lesson is clear. God used and uses people to change the world. People, not saints or superhumans or geniuses, but people, crooks, creeps, lovers, and liars. He uses them all. And when we consider this idea of moving from fear to faith, there, there isn't a better person in this list to talk about this specific uh, topic than Moses. As Moses would overcome the fears that he had with the faith that he had in God. Hebrews 11 describes Moses this way. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused. It was a, this, this word refused, it implies a decision that was made. Something that he processed through, that he thought about. It took him some time to get to that place. But ultimately, he came to a point where he said he had to refuse to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated. There's some solidarity that he is now going to have with God's people, with his people, the people whose blood flows through his veins. And he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now what does that mean? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ worth all of it, worth him making this decision. Well, it's not necessarily that Moses looked ahead and he saw Jesus Christ coming one day when the time was perfect. I mean, he had some idea or inkling there would be a Messiah that would come, no doubt about it. But that's not what this verse is implying. What this verse is doing is it's connecting the suffering that Moses had to go through because of his faith with the ultimate plan of salvation that God would work out through the people of Israel. Biblical commentator Donald Guthrie says it this way, the sufferings of God's people are in some way linked with sufferings of the Messiah, the perfect representative of God. All that Moses suffered was in the cause of God's plan of salvation for his people, culminating in the abuse which he was heaped on Christ himself. And the point that Donald's making here is, is that when we live by faith, there are going to be moments when you suffer. But that's okay, because that suffering is a part of God's plan and it was ultimately a part of this plan of salvation that Christ would come into the world through. And so when you live by faith, there are going to be moments when you're judged by friends. And they want to know, why don't you, why don't you say the things you used to say and do the things that you used to do and hang around us like you used to hang around us? 
You're going to be misunderstood by family. And they aren't going to exactly sure why, why you've made some of these changes. And, and is it sincere? Is it real? They're going to wonder about that. You're going to have moments where people that you're trying to help are going to reject you. Whenever you try to tell them about how Jesus changed your life, they're going to want none of it. It's all part of God's plan. You never know exactly how he's going to use it. Moses certainly wouldn't have known exactly how God was going to use him, but he did. And it was all part of God's plan. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Now, again, Moses wasn't the kind of guy that you would have thought that God would use in this way. But with what we said, what, what was said about him in Hebrews chapter 11, you might think like, well, you know, Moses, I mean, he really, I mean, he was the guy. He was the guy that God ultimately used in this incredible way. But when you dive into portions of his life, you wouldn't think that. And so let's do that. I want to start where Moses was about to leave the palace and go off into the desert, as we'll find out, for 40 years. And so he's in the palace, and it seems that Moses, he has this dream. He has this vision of how it should be. That the Israelites shouldn't be oppressed by um, the Egyptians. And so he sees this Egyptian taskmaster beating an Israelite, and he intervenes. And in the midst of his intervention, his methodology is a little bit off as he's trying to actualize this dream of his, and he kills the Egyptian, and he buries him in the sand. The next day, the text says this, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? He's saying, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. You two are not meant to fight each other. You're in slavery. If you're going to fight somebody, fight them. This isn't how we're supposed to do this. And what do they do with this vision? What do they do with this dream? They reject him. And they say, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And it had become known what he had done. And so what does he do? He runs off into the desert for 40 years. He minds his own business. He builds a, he builds a, a family. He grows a family. He builds a business. He's a shepherd for his father-in-law Jethro. And then one day as he's on the backside of Mount Horeb, God calls him from a burning bush. As he, Moses sees the bush that for whatever reason doesn't burn up, he sees something peculiar, something special about it, and so he goes to the bush. Chuck Swindoll asks the question, or proposes the question, I wonder how long Moses had to walk by that bush. How many times Moses had to walk by that bush before he actually went to it? In other words, how many, times did, how many times did he have to walk by his calling from God? How many days had to go by before he finally decided to check it out? Often we don't respond immediately to the callings of God. But in Moses' case, he finally did. And when he went to the bush, 
It's there that God would say to him, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people, and I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, if you look at Hebrews chapter 11 again, Moses was the guy, if there was ever a guy who was, that you would think would take the hill that would lead these people to freedom, he would be the guy. He would have responded in the affirmative. But instead, the text says this. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you, that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And this will, Moses, and God says, and this will be the sign that I have sent you, that I have been with you, that I have made all of this happen, that one day on this same mount, that mountain that's known as Horeb, you will know of it as Mount Sinai. I will give you 10 commandments. You will worship me here. And you will know that what it is that has come to pass has come to pass because of me. And that will lead to your devotion to me. So Moses says, but who am I that I should go? He's not ready to go. And then again, Moses says, who shall I, who shall I say sent me? He's coming up with excuses. And God says, well, tell him I am sent you. I am the one who created. I am the one who controls. I am the one that is responsible for all of this. And Moses still doesn't want any part of it. And he says, but what if they don't believe me? Then here's a staff. And with this staff, God says, you can perform miraculous signs. And then Moses still isn't convinced. He says, but I'm not a good speaker. And he was. He was a good speaker. We'll talk about this in a moment. But he had this uh, misconception of who he was because of the fear that was consuming his life. And then lastly, he says, God, I just don't want to go send someone else. And then eventually there comes a moment in which God, or which God asks again. Moses acquiesce, acquiesces, and then ultimately he goes to his father Jethro, gets permission, and then he goes off to Egypt to where he confronts Pharaoh. That was God's calling on Moses. What is God calling you to do? What is it that he's calling you to do that maybe you're scared to do? And me, we immediately jump to, well, maybe God wants me to be a missionary. When I told my family that I was going to go into ministry and would go to seminary, they thought, well, well, don't move to Africa. That was the first thing they said to me. I'm like, I'm not moving to Africa. I want no part. My skin is not made for Africa, first of all. I want nothing to do with that. But that's where our mind goes. Or we say, well, I got to quit my job and, and uh, start, a new, start this new business. Or, you know, I got to turn my entire life upside down. And, and we think that. And in some cases, that is the case. But other cases, it's something small. It's something like, well, maybe God just wants you to believe in Jesus. He just wants you to finally believe. And he's calling you. He's working on your heart. He wants you to be serious about him. And you may be trying to get your life together. You may be trying to be your own savior, which at that point, what do you even need a savior for? Maybe he's just calling you to believe. Maybe he just wants you to attend church regularly. Maybe this is, this is a place that you pop into here and there, and it's, but it's a little bit sporadic, and it really works around how well the we what the weather looks like outside and how things are going and what game is on TV. But God's saying, you know what? Be here regularly. Like This is good for your heart. This is good for your soul. Maybe he wants you to serve in a ministry. That's it. He just wants you to serve a little bit, to help. Maybe he's wanting you to be generous. He's wanting you to stretch yourself a little bit. He's wanting you to give back to him and what it is that he is doing, his plan. Maybe he's wanting to, you to tell someone about your faith in Jesus. He just wants you to tell them about Jesus. And maybe he's wanting you to pray with your husband or wife. I can't tell you how many conversations over the past six months that I've had with people in this church that have just said, 
I need to pray with my husband. I need to pray with my wife. It, it has been, I can, like I said, I've lost count. At least a half a dozen conversations. Maybe God wants you to do a Bible study with your children. Maybe he's just been working on your heart and he's calling you to do something like that. It doesn't have to be something big. It just has to be something that's calling you to stop living by fear and start living by faith. Because we can be like Moses. We can say, well, what if my kid gives me an attitude and we're scared? Or what if my spouse, my husband and wife doesn't want to pray with me? Or what if the prayer doesn't go that well? Or what if we do it once or twice and then we don't do it for a while? Why are, why are we talking like this? Why are we scared? What if you tell somebody about Jesus, but they don't believe? They just don't believe. You've done what you were supposed to do. God's going to do what he's supposed to do. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. What if God's calling you to be generous? And then you say, well, but there's this other vacation that we want to go on. I mean, it's fear of what you might miss out on. Maybe God is saying serve in the ministry, but you're saying, well, but, you know, it's hard to do that because what if, the, what if it's like, you know, they want me to do it once a month or something like that. Maybe God wants you to attend church regularly, but you're like, well, but what if it's nice outside? And God wants you to believe in Jesus. And what if that changes my life? And, and it will. But it's not something to be scared of. It's something to embrace. And so what I want to share with you in regards to Moses is what fear does to you, two things, and then how you can overcome that. The first thing that we see in Moses' case of why we shouldn't live by those types, why we shouldn't let fear destroy our lives, and we should take these steps that God is calling, these, whatever it is God's calling you to come into, is first thing is this, is fear sabotages your potential. Moses said, I'm not a good speaker. He was a good speaker. But what fear does is it causes you to see things a little differently. It causes you not to see yourself accurately. A while back, my wife and I, we were at a hotel, and it was a large hotel. It had to have at least 20 stories. And we get on an elevator, and I look at the elevator buttons, and, and the button said well, for the floors, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16. And, I, and I'm like, where's 13 at? What, what's the deal with 13? Is it this special floor that you can't get to? And I do a little bit of research on it, and... These large hotels, they don't have a 13th floor, a lot of them, because people don't like staying on the 13th floor because it's bad luck, because they're scared uh, of what might happen to them if they stay on the 13th floor. But, but I thought about that, and I thought, well, that's, that's really weird because whatever you, it's still the 13th floor no matter what you call it. If it's after the 12th floor, it's the 13th floor. It can, you can call it the 14th floor or the 114th floor, but it's still the 13th floor. It doesn't really, nothing changes. But fear does that. It causes us to see things a little differently, to not see things as they actually are, to not see ourselves as God sees us. 
And Moses says, I'm not a good speaker. First century Jewish historian Josephus, he said that Moses, the tradition of Moses, was that he was a general in Pharaoh's army. Now let me tell you something about generals. Now I've never met a general, but I know this. You have to be a good speaker if you're a general. And you have to be a good leader if you are a general. And so what's going on with Moses? Well, Moses was consumed by his fear. Exodus is a historical narrative. This is the actual conversation that happened between Moses and God. But the scriptures later on in Acts 7, they correct this notion of that Moses had of himself when Stephen said this in Acts chapter 7. Moses was ex- educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Now, he didn't believe that about himself, and he resisted God's calling on his life because of that. But it was true. And God has given you potential. He sees you in ways that you don't yet see yourself. And if you are not careful, the fear that can consume your heart will hold you back from seeing that potential actually realized. Because God has made some of you to teach. He's made some of you to lead. He's made some of you to design. He's made some of you to discover. He's made you to write. He has made you to help heal hurts. He has made you to help the lost be found. He has has called you to come alongside people and disciple them. He's gifted you to do those things, but if you're living by fear, you won't enter into and experience the potential and the outcomes that could be there if you were to live by faith. Sometimes we can be like uh, the, the servants who Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 25. Three servants, one master, The master gives one servant five talents, the other servant two talents, and the other servant one talent. The one with five turns it to ten. The one with two turns it to to four. And the one with one, well, he doesn't do anything with what was given to him. Matthew 25 says this. When the the master asked him why it is that he didn't do anything with what was given to him, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is what belongs to you. He was rebuked by the master and ultimately rejected. If you live by fear, you will never reach the potential that you could. Don't let the devil make you live by fear and miss out on all that God would have for you. The second thing that fear does to us is it destroys your dreams. Moses, he had a dream. He had a calling. Now, his methods were a little bit off, but he realized that what's happening between the Egyptians and the Israelites shouldn't be. That's not the way it was supposed to be. And and he wanted to enter into this situation and do something about it. And he tried, but his people rejected him. They pushed back on him. And he gave up on that dream. He gave up on that dream, didn't he? But in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible tells us that one of the signs of when the Holy Spirit comes upon us is that we will have dreams and that we will have vision. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. What, what are you dreaming about now? What kind of a vision has God given you? What kind of a calling is there for you? Do you even have a dream? Or are you scared to have a dream? Are you scared to dream of something greater than yourself? What, is, what exactly could that thing be? What is that thing for you? In the case of the Israelites, They eventually made it through the Red Sea and they got away from Pharaoh and his army. And just as they were on the cusp of taking the promised land, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, Moses has to send out some spies into the promised land to do some reconnaissance. Twelve come back 
of the spies. Caleb and Joshua believe that they can take the land, the other 10 don't. This is what they actually say of themselves, that we went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, and they literally gave Moses some fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The Amalekites, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and Canaanites. I mean, they're scared of everybody. You can throw mosquito bites on there, for that matter. And the cities are fortified and very large. We seem like grasshoppers in our eyes. They're scared. And they're seeing themselves in an ina- with an inaccurate perspective of themselves because fear is consuming them. And we look the same to them. I mean, Moses doesn't do this, but I mean, I would almost think Moses would say, oh, really, did they tell you that? Did they tell you that you look like a grasshopper? Well, no, no, they didn't say that, but they were thinking it, they were thinking that. You gotta be pretty, you gotta have a pretty low self um, view of yourself to think that you are the size of a grasshopper. Don't let the devil make you believe that you're a grasshopper. Don't let the devil rob you of your dreams and make you think that whatever it is that God is wanting you to do or calling you to do, and again, it doesn't have to be something grandiose. It could be these small things in our lives. Don't let him rob you of that to the point that you don't pursue the dreams that God has given you. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.